Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. All right, James, we are doing a pod in person today, a rare in-person pod. It's good to see you. Yeah, it's good to see you too. We're both sitting here in our jogging pants in my living room. (laughs) Well, guess what, James? There's only 80 games to go. Two games in the books. We're recording this before the Saturday game against the Senators. The Leafs play the Senators at home. Uh, We wanted to kind of get some reaction to the first couple games, right? Is it it time to panic, Jonas? (laughs) No. But there is lots to talk about, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, I was just, you know, the, the Washington game, they're down after that first period where they, they pile up 22 shots. And I was like, hmm, if they lose this game, it's going to be... <laughs> the, the the tone of the podcast is probably... And the tone of, of the questions and things would be a lot different. Well, remember last year, uh, they got off to oh. that really rough start and it really felt like tense they were the team was really worried like well i think well you had to you have to remember too like they're coming off that montreal playoff series yes right important context they they felt like they had a pretty good off season that they were in a good position and then all of a sudden they were like weren't they two two and five or something like that to start the year razza got hurt and it was it was just the organization wasn't expecting that level of adversity right away. Wasn't there a game, I'm trying to, a Chicago game where they played really poorly and they lost? Well, no, the Chicago game, they ended up winning, right? Like that was like, oh. they didn't play that great and it was Chicago. And like, I th- I think if I remember correctly, and that was like the start of getting out of like the spiral, I think. And that was like a crazy sloppy game. But the, the Pittsburgh, they beat them like 7-1 or something like that. They It was... It was really interesting because no one was expecting them to struggle that much. And then look at the season they ended up having. Like, I mean, uh, they ended up with 115 points. So the pace that they would have played at, you know, after the first seven games would have been, you know, like probably maybe league best. It's funny when you think about that, like the amount of points they put up in spite of a lot of the things that went on. So like you think of some goaltending, they had like the start they had the start. Their defense was Kind of up and down all year. Muzzin didn't play great. Hall didn't play great at times. Some injuries. Although I th- you said on on the show last week that you know they only ended up having like a hundred and whatever twenty man games lost or whatever, which is really low. Yeah, but like remember, Mikheyev missed like the first thirty games. Like they, just when you think of all the things that happened to them, that they still had one hundred and fifteen points. It's like, well, what if some of that stuff doesn't happen this year? Like, what kind of team can they be? It's only two games, but I think we do have some hints at like where they can be better um i'll tell you what i think but what do you think like what is anything stuck out to you that way about where they could maybe be better than they were last year oh oh, in ways that they yeah i mean i think that it it looks like i i I like the way that yarn yarn croak yarn crook yeah he says it a very specific way yeah i haven't mastered it it's a very swedish way yeah 
because they announced it in the building in a different way. So we, it's not Yarn Croc, it's Yarn Crook or something like that. Anyway, I thought I think he's looked really good. Like I, I he, good skating and whatever. It just seems like they've got. You know what's funny? This is the way I would put it. I, I think that you're asking like what's better. I would say they look like they look like uh, good defensively and and speedy up front. And they've got like some of the new guys are bringing that element. Obviously, they lost McKayev, so that's part of what's not there. But they look like slower and like the decision making is not there on the back end. So it's like kind of like that's what I would say. Mm-hmm. And I would say the goaltending's been a mixed bag so far. So I like what I see from the forwards. I was saying to you in the in the press box during the Washington game that I really like the way the power play looks. Like they they're trying something a little bit different with like it looks like almost like an umbrella formation where they got uh three guys high a lot of the time. And I think that that looks really interesting and I think it's working relatively well. Um that that's that would be my broad perspective, but the I, I would say my biggest concern would be some of the play from the defensemen so far. All right, well, let's talk about that, and then we can come back to the forwards because I think the forward stuff is is pretty interesting to me, and where I think they could actually be better than they they were last year, which I was not expecting in the summer. Um, but the defense, I'm guessing you're hinting at, not even hinting, you're talking about creakiness maybe Almost from everybody like, though like it's yeah it's every, so you, everyone's gonna be all over muzzin and i mean obviously the the goal 17 seconds left in the first game is like okay that's not great but, but that's like that's like five dominoes have to fall before it gets to that point i mean it was a terrible play like it, like all he had to do was put it off the boards and out there's 17 yep. seconds left like yep. you gotta that, you have to get a point. You're like, 34 years old. You know you've been in the league a long time. Yeah. You have to know how to manage the clock, right? For you don't sure. you don't just like whack it away. I don't know. Like with Muzzin and even last year too, it's like not even just the legs. It's like sometimes like the decision making or I don't know. Like maybe yeah, maybe that the was legs a big thing last year. Maybe the yeah, maybe the like he uh, the thing that made Muzzin so effective early on for the Leafs is just he was making the right play all the time, right? And he was never the fastest guy. Very meat and potatoes. Yeah. Like very simple. But I know he's always been a guy that's been very good analytically at everything because he's like been able to make the right outlet pass and make the right play and and be kind of calm under pressure. Like that play on that goal is like the complete opposite of that. And but we saw some of it last year. Maybe when you're moving slower, your decision making is just going to be slower, it, rushed. You, or not slower, actually rushed. Like you're just not going to be... Yeah, well, I mean, the one that keeps coming to mind for me is Joe. Remember Joe Thornton, and it's like when you get older, it's like the the hands don't work as fast yeah, as they used to. They, I, yeah. yeah, like it's sure. not even. I don't know. It's it says something about like peak human performance and like that you know age. I don't know. We'll we'll see. But it's like there are not very many defensemen that are. I mean, you can even say TJ Brody. They're TJ Brody's age and older in the NHL. Like the the Leafs have three of the older defensemen in yes. the NHL on their in their top six right now. Well, and I think it, we're gonna have to watch Mark Giordano yeah. closely. He's thirty nine, and like well, I, I, at I, times you he looks thirty nine. Hall's had his moments where he hasn't looked yeah. good. Sandine's had moments where he hasn't looked good. Uh, um, sure. Who am I forgetting? Giordano, I guess, is the other Riley. one. I think I think Riley's been fine and i and i like the way that brody's played would be what i would say but i would say like there's four of the six defensemen where i'm like uh oh correct me if i'm wrong if, if you don't like the way riley's played then i think they've just yeah it's too early but it's been okay but the muzzin hall thing is going to be interesting to see how that tracks and whether that can work do and you then think what they happens? should just play like when the other d are playing that way they should just play riley like 27 minutes like what did he didn't have- i wrote about that before the season i looked and what i think five night? on five I have it in front of me. It Riley played twenty twenty, and and I sh- I did want to note for the second consecutive game, Jake Muzzin did not play twenty minutes. He played nineteen minutes. First game, he played eighteen minutes. So I'm going to be tracking that. I think in the playoffs last year, I think Muzzin was down to like nineteen, right? Like I think that that's probably it's closer where it should be. But I was going to say Riley. I remember looking before the season five on five. I think he was like 40 something among defensemen and like how much ice time he was getting per game at five on five. And I was thinking like that, that needs to be a little bit higher. Well, if, if they, the, the way the blue line's constructed is interesting because most teams lean really heavily on their top three or their top four. Some teams have five, but the Leafs are trying to play like all six. Like, mm-hmm. and well, that, that's here. really unusual. Like you don't see that to your point. I'll just read from the, the Washington game. So, Brody plays 21 and a half. That's first. Riley plays 20, 20. That's actually third. Uh, Justin Hall played 20, 28. Muzzin played 1909. Giordano played 1943. 
and Rasmus Sandin played 14 minutes. So it's like it's like rolling them basically. Yeah. So five guys are basically playing the same, and then Sandin's playing a bit less. Obviously, he doesn't kill penalties. He's not on the power play, so that's some of his ice. Yeah. So five on five, it's like pretty even. Sandin, I don't know. Isn't I mean he missed part of training camp, and you're going to be behind. Yeah, he looks behind to me so far. Yeah, and he's playing his offside. Right. Right. And I thought you made a good point, and I, I, we're going to talk about the cap stuff a little bit later, but you made a good point. Like, what happens if Muzzin and Hall play really well together? What happens <laughs> when Timothy Lilligren comes uh, back? Like, I think do you they'd do? like to have that problem right now, because right now it doesn't look like that's what's going to be what happens. They had a better night against Washington. Some of the underlying numbers were, were stronger. It wasn't as messy as it was the yeah, first game. Yeah, I thought in the third period, you know, you started to see some of their strengths. I just... It feels like there's something off with them playing together with each other to me a little bit. Like they're cursed. Yeah, well, no, it just feels like, like I think being a, I've never played defense, so I don't know, but I think that like, it's very much like a partnership, right? It's like confidence if, in the other guy, right? It's like if you have a podcast with someone, if you don't have chemistry <laughs> with them, you're not going to do the same podcast for 10 years the way that we have. Like if we were like, yeah. if it didn't work, then we wouldn't have kept doing it. So it's like with a D pair, you want to get, so I wonder if at some point they go to like a, Muzzin Brody or, or Giordano Brody or if like there's some sort of shakeup that's going to happen. Honestly, I was really surprised that that's how they started the season. But not having Timothy Lilligren meant like, who are you going to play with Riley if it wasn't Brody? Yeah. What about Labushkin? Oh, wait, he's oh, gone. Oh, wait, he's gone. <laughs> um, but so going back to the forwards, I think what's been really interesting to me so far is how much of a difference it makes or it could make to have a fourth line that actually, and not even a fourth line, two bottom lines that actually have like clear utility. Um, you really notice uh, how much he's going to lean on camp to just like play as much as he can in D zone. And then obviously that Kerfoot, Yarncroc, Engvall combination. What, do you know what the D zone start percentage is for camp so far? I haven't looked. It's going to be like zero. Because the first game it was like 16%. And You've been looking at this closer than I have. I've, I haven't like dug. It's it, two games I haven't like dug into the numbers and whatever. But but what's interesting is like they're basically playing those bottom two lines the same amount. I'm pulling it up now. Well, I think that's what they should do. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. You I, were on that pretty early. I, 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 like, I like the look of the, uh, the, the Kerfoot. Yarn, do do? Crook, I think it's uh, interesting. Ingval line. It they 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 skate really well. Mm -hmm. And the thing too is that that line's probably going to end up facing like a lot of third and fourth lines, well, and they're they're going to be better than you know some of the depth players on those other teams. Hundred percent. And suddenly, like you you can give that line some of those matchups. You can give Camp some of those matchups, which means Matthews isn't having to take those on. So in the Washington game, they were at zero percent, right, as expected. Well, so this was like a Manny Malhotra special. Like I know in your story off the first game, you wrote about how they're using the Tavares line, like kind of like a Sedin's line. Like this is this is going back like, I mean, when was that that they did that? I with know, the I thought about it after. It's I was like, like maybe I should have said like the Marchand. But you know what's interesting is that Malhotra's behind the bench with the lead. And that was the first example I remember where a team just went like, Elaine Vigneault, I believe, was the coach then, went all in on the zone start thing. And the Sedin's got like 75% was, yeah, in the crazy. offensive zone and Malhotra was getting like 11% in, <laughs> in the camp. offensive zone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's become more commonplace around the league, but we've seen the Leafs do it a little bit, but I think this year is going to be a really extreme version of that. Well, in game two, Tavares was at 64%, that line. And in the first game, they were at 67%. So I think you, you might even see that dial up even more. Yeah, I yeah. think it should. Well, yeah, I think it should. Um, but anyway, one of the ramifications of, of having that utility is not only can you lighten the burden on Matthews and Marner, they don't have to play as much, right? Like suddenly you don't have to play them 22 and a half minutes. And if you look in the Washington game, Matthews played 1838. Hmm. Now Marner played over 22 because there was a bunch of penalty killing. And in the first game, Matthews played like 19 change, like just under 20. But back so I to wonder- Back to back too, right? Back like, to back, yeah. yeah. So that has to be factored in. But I wonder if we start to see those guys play a little bit less, which I actually think makes sense. Interesting. I wonder I wonder if that's like the result of them seeing something or like the sports science people saying you well, need to play them less. Let me add it you, seemed like they were trending the other way. Let last me year. add to this. John Tavares played 15 minutes against Washington. William Neander played 16 minutes. Huh. So those guys are playing less as well. And again, two games like these are these are good questions. you gotta get in there and ask Sheldon Keefe some of these questions about why well, I was actually going to ask him, he he brought it, 
something up about the, those bottom six lines after the Washington game. And I was about to ask him if it's intentional that like they're going to play their stars less, but someone asked about the rock and I was usurped <laughs> and I was like, all right, forget it. I, I guess this is we're not I can't focused remember, on the game. So, okay. I'm glad you brought this up. I can't remember another moment. Can you remember another moment where they've like had like a superstar like at the game and just like it felt like kind of like it was like the crowd was really we should talk about the crowd the crowd was terrible like it was really sleepy in there the pregame was brutal you were saying it was a huge contrast from being at montreal's opener versus like you know they did the intros and whatever and like the building was just it was like it was bad it was like a mausoleum like it was and then it was like that i can't remember when they brought the rock out but as soon as he could that was like the loudest the building got the whole night like that was like Everyone was like, "Oh my god!" It was like, it was like Jesus showed up or something. And like, like people were just like, people <laughs> well, were shocked. You and I talk movies a lot. He's if he's not the number one movie star in the world right now, he's like top five. Mm-hmm. He's like a super duper star. Like I was thinking when you well, were he's saying a like, crossover star too, right? Like he was an athlete. He, he was he was a wrestler. He was like he's just like he crosses a lot of boxes. Yeah, like he's he's. A, I've seen. I, his social media feed is really great too. Like it's just kind of like heartwarming. Like he posts these videos where he meets fans and whatever. And he's the kind of that's why he's, he's going to be president. James. He's probably he's 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 got a Canadian connection too. His dad was Canadian. His dad he was, played in the CFL. I'm dad, pretty sure. Yeah, uh, the Rock. The Rock did, didn't he? He like tried out. I don't. Okay. He didn't make it. He was also a Sunshine Boy at one point. Did not know that. Yeah, wow. you, should, you gotta look. If you haven't seen that, look up the picture of the Rock in the Toronto Sun in the size of the Sunshine Boy. It's amazing. Oh he's got. I think he's got like a fanny pack. And he's got like a necklace over top of his sweater, over top of a turtleneck. It looks, it's like, it's very, think, it's very 90s. Can I ask you, do you think someone told him at the end, we just want you to give like, lead the, the crowd in a cheer. And they're like, the cheer is like this. And he's like, no, 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 I got it. You know, you don't need to tell me the cheer. <laughs> I don't know why everyone's up. His, I don't care. His, I just think it's funny. I don't, I'm surprised like how big of a deal everyone's That's what making I'm saying, about like, Players were getting asked about it after the game. I was like, what are we doing here? Like, this really? We're asking about The Rock? <laughs> well, Matthews was, said something like, oh, maybe they should have told him what the chant was. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that was funny. So, but, but yeah, I mean, like, I mean, maybe he can come to more games because, like, that was, I, I can't remember. Can you remember another, like, celebrity where, like, the building just, like, went, like, oh, <laughs> like, honestly, he, I was thinking, like, like last year, uh, Mike Myers was at a game. And for me, that, like, that was cool. Like, I loved the Austin Powers movies coming but way up. more like understated. But though, nobody's right? think like Mike Myers is, is maybe if that had happened when like he was at his peak, it would have been like crazy Bieber, maybe a little bit, but not quite to that degree. Yeah. There's something different too about like a musician than like a, yeah. I don't know. The Rock's just like, the rock. you, like, so he had an event at the rec room, like promoting, I think he's promoting the new movie, the Black Adam movie. Yeah. See, it worked. He, when I were talking about the movie. Yeah. Go see it in your local theater. And we're not sponsored by them. I'm just kidding. I, I, I will see it just because, uh, um, so he was at the rec room. So he would have had to like, he must have had to like walk. Do you think he like walked down the street to the arena or did, or did they put him in a limo or something? There's like, no can you way he walked. Can you imagine you're walking no down in that, that <laughs> area around rock. the arena and there's the rock going by? <laughs> anyway, we spent too much time on this. this is, but I love this it. This is a tangent. This, this Maybe this podcast can be way longer than we anticipated just because we need to talk about the rock a little bit more. Well, let's actually take a break and then we'll come back and we'll talk some more about actually the team. All right. Yep. Do you want to take us out with like a rock outro? Do you know how to do any of that stuff? Uh, do you smell what the seagulls cooking? There you go. All right, we'll be back. <laughs> Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, James, let's let's get back to hockey talk unless you have more thoughts about The Rock. Sheldon Keith did say that The Rock was going to speak to the team before the game, which I thought would have been funny. Yeah, he's like, I'm too busy. Can't do that. So I heard that uh, he was in another NHL city, another Canadian NHL city, and they tried to get him to go to the game and, and they weren't able to pull it off. So huh. that's... Someone told me that just like credit to the Leafs getting him there. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's it's probably the movie and the fact that he was like right next there. And yes, I would have been. I would have loved to see a video of him talking to the team and like, what would he say? <laughs> I don't know. Should he just go into character? Like he is. He does. Like you mentioned, his social media. He does post like 
inspirational kind of things. Like he is. I like his account. Like he's got little kids and you know, he's, I don't know. Anyway, anyway. he must just like work out like 17 hours a day. Yes. He is in good shape. Um, <laughs> so going back to the team. <laughs> I think we got another half hour of us in this from this. <laughs> What's your favorite rock movie? <laughs> uh, I'll come back to you on that. Uh, what was I going to say? The goalies. I want to talk about the goalies. So it looked for a second, we can talk about Matt Murray in a second, but it looked for a second like, uh-oh, this is going to be another one of those games. The first game that Ilya Samsonov, Samsonov, not Samsonov anymore, his first start, and it was like, oh boy, the first two goals go in. That second one especially, and you're like, oh no, are they going to have this again? And now we'll see. Like the, we'll, we'll see how this plays out. Fortunately for the Leafs, he got it together. He settled down. I thought it was interesting. Like he said, he was like really nervous for the game. Like his it first, sense. first first game with his new team, and he's facing his old playing team. his old team. Yeah, like he's. He, I mean, he's not an old guy. Like no, he's I only twenty five. Yeah, like w- it strikes you in person when yes, you know, here's. I know he's played in the league for a while now, and but he's really hasn't he only played like one hundred and fifteen NHL games or something like that or less. Like, and he's he's young. He's from another country. Like. It's not very often, like, you know, you get to this stage with a professional athlete, it's not very often that the goalie will come off after the game like that and say, I was nervous, and, like, that's why I played badly in the first period. And 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 he, he's like, none of it was physical. It was, like, mental. Like, I had, yeah. like, I had like mental, it's like, oh, that's unusual that a goalie would say that. But, you know, to his credit, I thought he played pretty well after that point. And I don't know. I mean, there's been a lot of debate about that first game in Murray, like, they're they're like a goal or two I didn't like. I think there's only one goal where you yeah, can really say it wasn't. He, the only thing is that he looked like some of the goals that looked like he wasn't even close to getting it. I think would be the thing, right? Like, sure. Like, I'm not saying he should have had them, but it also was like it didn't seem like he was like headed in the right direction to get the goals either. They were not no good in that game. No, they were not. No, it's so early too. Like I remember. I, I, I saw one of our shows popped up in my feed somehow, or it showed up on social uh, on on Google or something like that. One of the shows we did last year. I remember Jack Campbell had that crazy run where he was so good. It and is, we, ex- yeah. We had ahead. a show like saying he was like the best goalie in the league or whatever, which maybe he was, but like I, I think with goalies you could, you you can't make any proclamations like 20, 25 games in the season because it just doesn't matter and it can change so quickly. Even so. if we're at the halfway point of the season and Matt Murray looks like an all star. We're still going to have to be like, wait. Yeah, with goalies. Because you I don't just know. don't know. Because, like, after that start, Campbell was one of the worst goalies in the league for like three months. And then he was fine in the playoffs. So it's like, I, yeah. I, I really believe that they had that downstretch where like Mrazic was playing his way off the team and Campbell was struggling. And it, the, all the like, all the all, all campus history and whatever was being talked about and all that kind of stuff. And I really think that was the turning point where the Leafs were like, we can't commit to this guy for five, yes. five years. Like Honestly, that was, that's where I was like, you you can't have they this. They were ready like he, to move on, yeah. He was melting down in the middle of the season. Like yeah. they were having to, like the Marc-Andre Fleury stuff, they were like frantically trying to find another goalie. Like yeah. they can't have well, that Well, I've this said year. before on the show, maybe people missed the ones in the summer, but like that Marc-Andre Fleury thing was a lot closer to happening than than I think has been reported everywhere. And that's like, if that happens, that's an earthquake. Like, that's like emergency yeah. sirens well, they were, going off. They, yeah. They're, it was it was not good. Yeah. So, we'll see. But, but you know, so like two games, like I did, I, and, and like three bad goals or whatever over two games. I just, I don't, I, I think with the goalies, I think what everyone should do is just like pull the brakes, let them play for a while and like don't sound the alarm and don't like build them a statue no <laughs> like as ron, quote, wilson, ron wilson as yeah. ron wilson would say in one of my favorite quotes he ever made um it's just you just got to give it some time to see what these guys can do and you like have to give it the whole season yeah and even the playoffs like we're not gonna know that's <laughs> well, what's I really hard talk, about this yeah i think but we, actually saying that's not entirely true because if they're not good yeah it's a it's a big problem well like, they'll have to make a change right? they, yeah that would be the worst case scenario for them yeah. But do you agree, like I, I wrote about it after the game, uh, the Washington game, do you agree that like they just need to be fine? Like it, they can't have goals like the the second goal that um, Samsonov gives up against Washington. Like if you can just, if, if you give up two, three goals a night and they're just like, they're goals that maybe you can stop, but like 
Yeah, like well, Keith said, if you know, if your goalie keeps it to two, you got a really good chance of winning, basically. Yeah. Which is like that's a pretty especially good, with their offense. Like if they keep it to three, they're probably going to win. Even against Montreal, like the, uh, the Leafs didn't look very good, but they didn't allow like a lot of. Nah, they gave up a lot of odd man rushes. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and that was a bugaboo in the past that they really worked on and eliminated last right. year. Right. Yeah, so, yeah. Actually, I remember early last season. That was one thing. That, remember that was like their greatest improvement for the Leafs was that they had cut that way down. Yeah. So, well, and, and Keith said that like, that's a problem that they have with Montreal, that Montreal is really good at that. And it, I don't know, the Leafs are, they're an interesting team in the way they're constructed where just not a lot of speed on the back end. And you would think they would be potentially vulnerable to that. Well, who's their fastest skater? Riley? Well, Riley. On, and then who? on D. And then who? Brody? Brody's more like agile than Smooth? fast. Okay. Who, yeah. Sandy's but he's like not in fast. Position. No. Hall's not fast. It's interesting because like it feels like skating is increasingly becoming the way that defense is going in the NHL. And like, you know, it, defense is, it's like one of the only positions in pro sports where it's, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. It's one of the only positions where it's like the they're, the athletes are getting smaller at defense than they have been. Counter is that in the playoffs, it's proving to be the opposite, that you need a defense that's like big and strong and heavy. And I mean, I don't know what you make of this, but like, the, the Avs win the cup last year and Sam Gerrard doesn't play. And the guy who plays in this place, I think was Jack Johnson or who's not small. Now that's I, like, I think there are want lots a, of other you factors. You want a mix but, though, right? Like I think you want, you want some kind of a mix. I don't know. They've like the Leafs have changed their philosophy. I think on that, that they want bigger, that they feel they need that an element in the playoffs well, especially let's say that they need to get back under the cap let's say that they they move on from hall who's like he's not huge but he's like a bigger guy he's big man and, he's like and, six four right and then and then but he you know he's not like but he's a, not heavy he's not a huge yeah. physical presence sure. uh and then you have logan come in who's not big it's like their their blue line is not it might be something that they'll address in season like it'll depend on how Lilgrim plays it'll depend on how Sandine well, plays it'll depend on how Giordano and Muzzin play as well the good news is they got four bucks to on cap space to use to improve the defense if, okay. they, if they need to perfect segue James yeah, do we have we, questions today I, I, I didn't remember. I did not put I can do it now if you want and we might get some but I think we've I think we missed the moment we'll okay. take we're going to take people's questions uh I think we're recording again on Tuesday so we can do that then Okay. Well, so this is a perfect segue to talk about the cap. You wrote about the cap and how close they are to the cap. Maybe just before we dive into the the weeds a little bit about it, maybe just summarize your point from that story if people are dollars. Four dollars. I don't know if I can I don't know if I can remember all of the points I made. I had I had basically I know why they did it, and Sheldon Keefe explained why they did it. It's because they wanted Yarncrook, and they they wanted to like sign all the guys. Like they've got a good roster, and that's why they went as close to the cap as they did. They wanted Aston Reese, who they had to go like right to the limit. Like they, the reason why Aston Reese was on the PTO all during camp, but everyone knew he was going to get a contract, is because they had to wait to see how many dollars they had, and he ended up getting like a totally bizarre number, like eight forty six thirty or something. Like was the dollar number on his contract. Um, there were four things. I don't I don't have the article in front of me, so you're putting me on the spot a little bit, but there were four things that I said are potentially problematic about ha- having so little cap space. Number one, you have no extra players. So you can potentially have to play the way that the rules work with the cap is you can you potentially have to play a game short mm-hmm. if you don't have the cap space. After you've been one game short, you can recall a player who makes eight hundred thousand or less uh without without a cap penalty. As that's the emergency recall. So you could potentially have to play a game short. You can't have any extra players with you on the road, which is, and you know, when they go on a longer road trip, they're not going to have an extra defenseman there. You got it up in front of you. You can read. Yeah. You can mention some of the other. uh, No, keep going. You're, you're, you're hitting it. uh, You, you don't have the flexibility to change your lineup. I can't remember how I termed it in the article, but like you, like, let's say, let's say you want to rest somebody. Like if you wanted to rest Jake Muzzin one night, or you wanted to rest one of the forwards one night, you can't. Or what if someone's like a little bit banged up and like... Or sick. Yeah. What if someone gets... That happens quite a bit on the road where someone just gets like a, an illness or whatever because they're traveling around so much. They're eating in all these different places and whatever. And I mean, it's still COVID too, right? So there is definitely going to be periods this year. I would... My guess is there's going to be two or three games this year where the Leafs play with fewer than, than 18 skaters. It only happened once, I think, last year where they went with a without a backup goalie. Yeah. That was... That was... Wasn't great. It was strange. What, are, what were some of the other... Uh, well, so you mentioned you could lose some of your depth pieces on waivers as right. players are shuttled back and forth to the They're lucky that they the got everyone through. Like they got Goddad and they got... Mete. 
you know, like Ben's going to go on waivers when he gets back, right? Mm-hmm. Like, because they're not going to have the cap space to play him. So, like, you could potentially, you know, and he could potentially be important because they might need him. Any kind of defense injury, he's the next man up, really. So Especially is, if you trade a haul or someone to get under the cap. So, this is the one that really I've been thinking a lot about is you're not always making decisions based entirely on play. And they obviously, can't make any decisions. They can't make any decisions. <laughs> so I was saying to you, like yeah. I was thinking about it after your story, even if they, let's say they hated how Malgum was playing to start the season and they were like, we want to call up Robertson. They could not do that. They do, Unless there were injuries, they do not have the space to call up Robertson. That to me, I don't love. Well, it would have, they would to, have to be, it would have to be Godet because he makes seven. It has to be someone that makes 750. Yeah. Is there anyone other than Godet? Like they would be very limited. No, they couldn't and- even call up Clifford who makes 762. <laughs> right. Yeah. It just feels like a little bit too tight. And you mentioned load management. Like, you don't need to rest guys in the second night of the game. But when we're into January, and who knows what their roster will look like with injuries and Well, I think in an ideal world with like someone like Muzzin or Giordano, you would want to play... Like, Ben only makes 750. If Mm -hmm. you could just carry... When I was trying to do their cap calculations in the offseason, I was like trying to save room to have a seventh defenseman at all times. And when they signed Yarncrook, it was like, I guess they're trading somebody. But then they just decided we're not going to have that extra 750 and we're not going to have an extra defenseman, which is for all of the, I think people are tired of hearing about the Leafs being tight to the cap and whatever, but they're. This is extreme. It's you, never been like you this. You cannot be more tight to the cap than they are this year. They're they're literally over without, they're, they they're going to have to trade like a real, a piece that matters to, when Lilgren is healthy. Unless Assuming, there's injuries. Unless there's more injuries. So kind of the bet they're making is that Either there's going to be, we would rather have all these guys, yeah, and deal with and deal the with fallout, it. yeah, and and maybe someone will get hurt. I mean, they'll look smart. Like let's say let's say Muzzin does get hurt and it misses a month, they'll look really smart because they've they didn't trade Hall, they didn't do anything in anticipation of, but of everyone as, being healthy. As you and I talked about before, if Muzzin say were to miss three games. Then, then they you, would have to play one game short. You play one game short and you use your emergency recall. And I guess they're thinking that's not the end of the world. We can win a game one game short. And if we lose a game, we lose a game. We'd I rather wonder, have a, the players. I wonder, like we didn't, we don't get the opportunity to ask the front office this, but I wonder if they went through the last two or three COVID years with the taxi squad and being really tight. And they were like, you know what? It doesn't, we're okay with this. We can, this works because like you're going to have injuries. You can use LTIR. You can use emergency recalls. It's not that big a deal. And we get to add like a $2 million forward that we think is going to make a big difference. I think that's probably like they've been through this. They've always left themselves a little bit more breathing room than they have this year. And maybe now they're just like, let's just like go all in on like not having any space at all. Well, but the other point you made in the story is they can't accrue any space. So when you come no. to the trade deadline, they it's going to have to be money in, money out. But I mean, they've been but like I guess that they the don't last care. couple years too, right? Like yeah. they're not... The only thing why, I, like, I think that makes sense. Like, they're probably thinking we're going to be a good team, even if we do this. Like, it's not going to matter that much. But like, it, it could cost you enough points where instead of winning the division, you finish second, and now you're facing Tampa instead of facing Washington. It's hard to know. I I, I don't I, know. I don't. I can't think of it. The other thing to keep in mind, like, I, I had some people respond to my article, and they were like, "Well, everyone's tight. Like, there's like 17 teams that are up against the cap, and there's all these teams in LTR." That's true. How many other teams around the league have a league minimum roster and have $4 in cap space and have a significant player who makes $1.4 million on LTIR that needs to come off in a few weeks? No other team is that tight. No one is that tight. There's going to be other teams that have to play a player short. We've seen that frequently. Colorado did it last year. Like my response, remember early on last year when they had the U of T goalie and whatever, everyone was like, oh, dude, screwed up the cap and blah, blah, blah. Like that's, that's how some of the Twitter people sound in my head. People were saying that, you know, people were writing articles like, oh, they screwed this up. It's like Colorado, the best team in the league, won the Stanley Cup. They played game short last year. Like, it's mm-hmm. so did they screw it up was or Vegas, did they do it right? Was Vegas more extreme last yeah, year? But, but, but in, they did, in that defense was injury of them, stuff, they had right? like a bunch of injuries and things right. that were, you know, there were some things that were out of their control. But they, you know, with like the Eichel thing and all, like they were, they were really tight. Yeah. They, I, they, I just don't love the lack of flexibility night to night. But maybe in the big picture, it doesn't matter and you get to the playoffs and there's no cap. And I think that they're probably thinking like, we're going to have people in LTIR most of the season anyway. So, you know, I was saying this to you before we started recording, like, let's say Engvall's out for a month or whoever, like pick pick someone, let's say Yarn, Yarn Krug misses uh, a month. 
he goes on LTIR. All of a sudden, you got two million. You can call three guys. Like you can. All of a sudden, you got your extra players right there. So, I think what they're thinking is that they're just going to be able to. There's going to be points in the season where they do have extra players and they can do the load management, and it's inevitable that someone's going to miss a month at some point. It just hasn't sat well with me. The Robertson thing. Um, yeah, I know. We talked about that on the show the, the before the season started. Yeah, right. We already talked. About it. It, I've just been thinking about it. Like he can't even get called up now unless there's an injury. Yeah, I don't love that. I don't. I just yeah, something about that. Just well, wouldn't it be weird? Like this happens sometimes that teams don't have any injuries. Like yeah. there have been teams that have had gone a whole season. Had it's it's rare, mm-hmm. but there have been teams that have had like seventy man games lost in a whole season and like never have anyone on LTIR the whole year. If that happened, theoretically, he wouldn't be able to play in the NHL the whole season. For Malgin. Theoretically. Yeah. But Mal- then again, but they, we'll see. Maybe they, Malgin they need, will. They need to trade somebody, right? Like to get Logan back. So, what you could see happen is this could also, Jonas, be the plan to be this tight just for now. And when Logan's ready to come back, you trade Hall or Angval or whoever you decide to trade. Mm-hmm. They're making two. Angval's what, like 2.25? Mm hmm. So then you get Lilgren's contract and another $600,000. All of a sudden, you're not as tight. You potentially have room to like have an extra player. And like yeah. maybe that's where they'll go. Yeah. It's not the worst thing, right? Like it's, it's just, I don't know. Well, it, it could blow up in their face or it could work out really, really well. So it's, it's going to depend on the way that the way everyone plays and the injuries and all those kinds. It's, it's, it's a, it's a bet that this is going to be okay mm-hmm. by the, by the front office. All right, I got to check my schedule. What else do I have on here? We need another break, right? Yeah, we actually do need to take another break. So I can go look at my schedule. Perfect, James. All right, James, we are back. I found what I wanted to talk about. It is the top six. That is the the top two forward lines. It's early. It's very, 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 very early. Um, But anything stick out to you about whether it's the Matthews group, Tavares group, anyone in particular among those groups? Do you like how they've looked? I think it's just been okay so far. Yeah. It's it's two games. You know what I noticed being in the building is you can kind of watch players off the puck a little bit more. And, you know, I think that the the two players that I think look really, really good is Matthews looks great. I was saying to you, he looks, he looks very fast and agile and he was like all over the ice like and just like his skating looks really really good mm-hmm. that's like a story we'll have to dig into at some point i his skating was good last year but you remember when he came into the league i wouldn't say he he wasn't a bad skater like he was always been like agile for a big guy but he's slimmed down to the point now like he's probably what did he come in as a rookie like 225 or something like i remember when he came in as a rookie and i remember his camp and his you know talking to they were they were like trying to build up his boy body to play against like Chara and stuff like that. And then the the six or seven years he's been in the league, he's really, really. I wrote about the trainer last year and stuff, and that's one of my favorite stories I've done in the last little while. But he's even, I think he's down to like two oh eight now. Like he's shed mm-hmm. like twenty pounds. And then you look at some other guys on the roster, and they're bigger. And but I think for Matthews, he's got a really big frame. He's a big man to be two oh eight. Like he's got a big head, big big chest, like six three. Yeah. Yeah, so like he's, I think he's like about as slim as he probably can, and he just looks really graceful and and fast and powerful on his skates. And mm-hmm. I, I wonder if we'll see him. He's not a guy that gets like a lot of breakaways or like a lot of like. I wonder. I wonder if he's going to have that ability to like. I wonder if the speed is going to be there a little bit more. And I bet you, I don't know this for a fact. I bet you, I know he like skates with McDavid and and trains with him at times. I don't know if they did this summer or not. They probably did. They're both with the same agency and everything. I'm sure he's looking at what McDave is doing in terms of like the speed burst that that guy has and like trying to add some of those elements to his game. And now we haven't really seen it in game situations in the first two games, but I just, I don't know. I just could see his, his, his power in his skating. And the other guy who I think looks really, really good and really, really confident is, is Nylander. And I think that again, it's not like he's been lighting it up and hasn't been like filling the score sheet and whatever, but he just, he's in the right position. He's getting to lots of pucks. He's battling really well. He looks really strong. His skating looks fantastic. He just, this looks like to me, like what's Nylander now? 26. Mm-hmm. He looks like prime Nylander. Like he's yes. just, and he's a guy that's put on weight. He just doesn't, he, he, he just looks, he looks really, really good. He had like four unreal chances on that power play against Washington. He finished with seven shots in that game. And like I talked to him before the season and I asked him about scoring 40 goals. I think he's going to score 40 goals. I think he could have like 85, 90 points. Like he looks like he's yeah. entering a little bit of a different airspace than he was before. And I would even say like, you know, Tavares, I think looks, has looked solid too. You yeah. Know, especially was- considering what he 
went through a camp where he missed camp. He was hurt. Yeah. I thought that it's early, but I'm just, I don't know. I thought that like his, his movement and his speed and whatever looked against Washington. I thought, I thought he looked real solid. You know, it, he didn't look like a creaky old guy, like some of the other guys. Well, and I, I, I gotta be honest, like I thought it was a little bit, it's, it felt like they were rushing him back a little bit. Not they, maybe he was rushing back. Like they said three weeks and this is, it, it was yeah, well we didn't think he was going to play. Weeks. I mean, that's part of all the cap stuff and whatever. I didn't. I thought they were going to be short on opening night. Yes, and just the things that they had said, where like we need to look at the big picture. Like it's an eighty-two game season. We're starting out with four and six nights, and then he plays, and it's like, well, okay, like that's I I get it, and yet I also do think the big picture matters, and obviously they're cognizant of that. I'm guessing like he just felt like he was ready to play and just said like I'm playing. Um, but that's like he has looked good so far and that line has looked pretty good so far obviously if Nylander's playing really well do you know how many shots on goal Nylander had against Washington I don't he had seven I said that actually I thought you were gonna say Montreal yeah he had seven you said seven already yeah oh I'm <laughs> you, you want to know like another shot total that's I'm interesting eating a stat you already said on the no, show it's okay <laughs> guess how many shot attempts Marner had in that game I don't know 11 yeah, that's interesting. Well, because you didn't you write after the first game that yeah, you were one shot. Yeah, he wasn't he wasn't shooting the and puck. I just noticed he wasn't as shot first as he was. So five shots half. for Matthews, six shots for Tavares, uh, five shots for for Marner, and and seven for Nylander. So like those are the guys that were really driving the bus on you know and and they they put a lot of pucks on uh, on the young uh, Washington goalie over there. So that was. They, they they controlled and Washington's a good team. Like, you know, they're one of the biggest teams in the league. They got a lot of experience. They got a lot of skill. Um, there was a somewhat physical game for the Leafs to play. Like the the big hit on Engvall stands out for sure. There was the hit uh, I think Hathaway had on Matthews, right. which I took. We were watching the funniest moment. Hathaway levels Matthews, and Bunting just comes running in out of nowhere, just charging at him. He misses. And then the play kind of keeps going. I just Bunting's got to like. I think we talked about this last year, but like he just like needs some self preservation sometimes because like he's not the he's biggest not guy. Big. No, yeah, but he's always in the middle of things. He almost reminds me of Kadri a little bit with like kind yes. of yes, except he's like even more annoying to other teams than Kadri mm. was. It's like I'm keeping a list now because I want to write about this at some point. But like every night he is sparring with like not just one guy. There are like just multiple like trash guys. talk and yeah, stuff. Yeah, it's just like going on the whole night where they get on it. He gets on their nerves and like every shift there's something. You know what's interesting to me is that it it, it Matthews and Marner are like have like he's really become the third amigo for those yes, two guys. Like 100%. you know they spend time together in the off season and like yeah. they What's, just they just like here's this guy from Scarborough who like <laughs> he wrote about his background in the past. Like grew yeah. up without a lot of money and like you know like and now he's playing with like two of the 10, yeah. All of a sudden in his hometown, in he's a guy that like nobody knew who he was. He was he was basically an AHL player. Yeah. And now he's being talked about like on TSN. Like, what's his? He's going to get an eight year contract, and he's playing on the top line, and he's hanging out in Muskoka at Marner's Palace, and like, I mean, like, it, and he's older than them. That's what's so funny. Like, he feels like the younger one just because he hasn't been around. He's older than both of them. What a like dream rise for him, right? Like, you go yeah, from like crazy. you go from playing for like the Tucson. It's, coyotes it's or honestly, whatever and then now you're like it's a 63 good story points. of persistence or perseverance i mean where he, for years he's struggling in the minors never gets a chance with arizona finally gets a chance with arizona late in the season like they called him up at like the end of march right. he scores when their 10, season was over when the right? season was over he scores like 10 goals in what was it 21 games yeah and then obviously he signs with the leafs and he has 23 goals 63 wasn't points, there some blah, talk blah, blah, blah. that it was just like a shooting percentage thing or something that he scored all those goals I think so, but then I wrote about him that summer, and if you looked at the 10 goals he scored, it was oh, like, happening. I predicted before the season that he would score 20 goals, just because I had looked at the goals he scored, and it was like, he's always around the net. Yeah. He's just like- Which is what that line needs, is a guy like that. Yeah, he's a just- digger. And that's how he scored his, his first goal of the year. Well, sort of. Like, Marner makes an unbelievable play, and he's like, point blank. Um, it's just an amazing story, though. That I, It's incredible. Yeah. It's like, like I think like the Hyman story was like, pretty remarkable this given. is way more yeah like, it's like, even hyman comes up in like a more privileged background like yeah but not even just that but just like you know like a mid-round pick who yeah you know like they didn't get him for a lot and like like i remember but he didn't play in the minors at all remember how yeah did, hyman, did hyman he, he, or no, he played like half a year with he, the he played the Marlies a little bit yeah um 
But remember, I remember Hyman's first season and he only had like 28 points or whatever and everyone was really down on him and like this guy can't score to save his life and he's got stone hands and whatever, whatever. And then like, you know. The one guy who knew from the beginning is Mike Babcock was like, from the beginning, this guy belongs there, this guy's good, like you don't. It's the same thing that you're saying that like, it can be deceiving that that first, like I remember talking to Hyman and he was like, he was so frustrated about like the narrative around him after that first year. Yeah. And I remember looking at his goals and looking at the shooting percentage and stuff and it's like, this guy's gonna score more than this. Like he had so well, many. The other thing, James, his, he his, really worked on that stuff. His yeah, he was in that shooting. Yeah. Do they was, still have that cage? The thing shooting too. Yeah, the, they do. The big. They have this like big cage thing at the practice rink that up in the corner that the players go into and like. And I remember Hyman was in there a lot like early on. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's a tangent. I did. Are we done with the forward thing? Or I just have one more thing I want to yeah, add. I got. I have a. I have a topic I want to. Okay. Throw at you. One thing I, that I, I was starting to think watching the first couple of games and watching Malgin, who's getting a shot of that second line, if he can't play there, he's he's out of the lineup because he doesn't fit with Kerfoot. Well, he's and, definitely all skill, right? Yeah, he just doesn't fit on those other those other lines. So that's just something I'm okay. monitoring. I think like, he's been okay. We'll see. Yeah. I'm waiting to, to see. But the, the thing I like about having him there is it makes the other line so good, right? Like, and then yes, like you're not having to play Yarncroft there, which means you can have a yeah Kerfoot combination. That's kind of interesting. Anyway, take your but maybe topic. If it, maybe if it's not Malgin, it's like Goddard, or you try someone else there, right? Like, well, or it Robertson. Could, or, it could only be Goddard in this case, right? Yeah. Well, I think at some point they're gonna. I think at some point there's going to be an ability to try some other people. Well, there's going to be injuries, like. Or I a trade. I like, think they're going to have to trade somebody at yeah. some point. Yeah. And then right. that'll, so anyway. Um, so the thing I was going to say to you is like, you were there in Montreal and like you were at the availabilities and whatever. What did you make of like how upset Keith was? After, I'm glad you brought this up. After one, yeah, I was like, this is, we should talk about this. Like, and he talked about it after the Washington game. Let me just finish the question for people who don't know what I'm talking about. Like, what's your read on Keith being, like he, he almost like, I wouldn't say panic mode, but like he like, he went into like, this is a problem right away after one game. I wish I had written about this after that game. Um, I was, cause, because the more I thought about it afterwards, I was surprised that he would pull that yeah. kind of stuff. Not, I don't mean that in a, a negative way. Just it's surprising to see a coach be that, to call out his players like that right away after the first game. Especially when he's saying like the effort was there, the effort's fine. That's like as mad as like if you want to grade it out of ten, that's a ten out of ten as to how. I just I can get the sense from the Leafs this year. It's it's all business. Like this is like I think, well, but so I think like now that I've thought about potentially it. on the line, like not just Dubis, but like everybody. And yeah, like he's basically saying from day one, we are not going to let anything slide. Yeah. Their goal, the organization's goal is to win the division. and Their goal is to win the cup. And yeah. like the first no, goal, of course, is to win the division. But yeah. I think, I don't know. I just think that they don't, they're not a young team anymore. They're the no, fourth they're, oldest team yeah. in the league. There's no more excuses. Like, well, remember even two or three young- years ago, I remember the people in the, in the organization were saying this is like an immature team and they, like, and they just have these lulls every season. And this year, I think that, I think what that shows you is that there's not, they're not going to let it slide for two or three games anymore. Well, that's what it said, right? Like, if they let that, like, for example, like you think if, if Keith doesn't come out like that and he's just like, you know what, we got to take care of the puck. Well, he was asked Maybe what he, he said. Was it at the meeting on the next day? Yeah. He was asked what he said and he was like, a lot of things were said, basically. It's Sorry to interrupt you, but no, like, no, no. But it, you're, it's you're exactly right. It's basically like I'm calling you on this right away. I'm not going to let ten games go by, yep. and then I'm going to call you out. The only thing I worry about for him, and this is what I was thinking about before he was asked about it after the game, is like you can only do that so many times. Well, the message, the message. I I, I think that he's got enough bandwidth with that team, though. Like, yeah, but you can't call guys out like that. You, you I don't know. You can do that five times a year. I just think it's going to be all all in this year, and like, yeah, you know, yeah. It's I I don't know. It, there's so there's like small things that we can see, you know, being around all the time and like watching every. It's just a little bit different to like because in the past and in a lot of teams that we've covered, one bad game, the coach could be just like it was our first game. Mm-hmm. We didn't play great. We got another, mostly what they yeah, would say. Like that's exactly what they said. Other coaches would say, we have another game tonight. We're going to focus on that. But that's mm-hmm. not what he did. Like he made it very public that like. We deserve to lose. Yeah. He was 
pissed. Yeah. And the only other thing I was going to say, like you mentioned their age, even their younger players outside of like Sandine and, and Malgin, like Matthews, Marner, Neilander, those guys have been in the league a long time. Mm-hmm. Like they're not, well, even, they're, they're even young. Even Malgin's but, got like over 200 games. Right. Someone pointed out that I think, I think some of the stats someone had is that Malgin has more NHL games than Justin Hall or something. Cause he played in Florida for like three years or whatever. Yeah. Anyway. anyway, that was that. I just thought that that was that was like one of those like talking points that was happening around the team a little bit, and like I think it was like on like sports radio or whatever. Like, is it too early to call out the team? And I don't know if the question is, is it too early? The question is, why is he doing it this early? And I think it all leads back to what this season means for everyone involved. And I think there's going to be a shorter leash for 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 players that don't perform. And well, if there can be, well, they can, they can always trade somebody. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean, management's under the gun as much as anyone, right? Yep. All right, I think that's a good place to leave it. Um, So the Leafs play on Saturday. You may that game may be over and Monday. Oh my god, the Monday game. Are you not going to go to that game? You got to go. I will probably go into the season. You have this thing where you do you mark down the games you're not going to, and it's a bad team, but it's like. But to me, those games can be telling because especially with this Leafs team, they play down to these opponents all the time. They do. You're, I do not think, Don't let the air out of your balloon. I do not think you learn as much in those games. You learn if they go into like and play like a Chicago or something and they're just like, and they and they lose the game or those Buffalo mm-hmm. games or whatever. Like you're not there as-, as There like, were games like that last year. Not, Did it matter against Tampa? No, but I guess it mattered in the standings is your counter. Well, I, I'm just saying like you're there as a media member not to like be entertained by the other team or how good the matchup is. You're there to like document like- I got to have days off sometimes. No, I, I'm not saying- I'm just saying I think it's funny that you <laughs> I went down the watch, schedule. I don't want to watch the shitty You went teams. down the schedule and you like crossed out and was like, I'd like to- I don't know, like- Then you can go. There you go. You can watch yeah, go watch Nick if, Ritchie score a couple I, goals. I don't know if I can be there on Monday or not, but <laughs> anyway, like I just- I disagree. Like I kind of like them playing against the crap teams and not showing up to me is like super interesting. Oh boy. And the and the, like the tank battles this year with Chicago and Arizona are going to be just like epic. Like I don't know. If yeah, they're going to be great games. I can't <laughs> wait to watch Travis Boyd play twenty minutes against. I the watched Leafs. part of that. The first uh, Colorado played their opening night when they raised the banner and they played Chicago and like the shots were it was like twenty three to six or something at one point. Like it was just like it was like playing an AHL if team. They or something. win like seven to one. I will be very upset with you. I'm just kidding. I don't care. I'll go happily. They should win seven to one. Yes. And if who, they don't, who dares want to play last happens. night? Pittsburgh. I Pittsburgh think they got totally crushed. Six two. Yeah. That's what the Leafs should do. So you should write if if they don't totally crush them. If they win two one or something, you should just write a total <laughs> rip job column on the. That's totally my style. Just to overreact yeah. to one game. Yeah. All right. So we will talk next week. I don't know when. We haven't decided that, but we will be back Tuesday next week. Tuesday or Wednesday, right? Yeah, something like that. All, All right. right. Thanks, James. Thanks for listening, everyone.